Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is one half of Two Guys Take on Real Estate Dynamic Duo. It is Kevin Shippey. Him and his partner, Matt, have been taking over social media. They have done hundreds and hundreds of deals. They've acquired over 500 rental properties. They've done hundreds of flips, hundreds of wholesale deals. They have tons of passive income coming in. They have a very successful YouTube channel, one of the best social media games out there. And they have a brand new book out that you guys can check out all about investing in foreclosure auctions, what to expect, what not to expect, dispelling myths, mitigating risks, and how to, how to be profitable and be cautiously optimistic and responsible with that. So ways to fund them, ways to find them, a whole bunch of different stuff. I've been following them for a while. I've been trying to get them on. I thought it was a great conversation. There's people that are very good with content, people that are very funny, but sometimes it's hard to find somebody to bring content and keep it entertaining. And these guys definitely do. So I really appreciate to have him on. He had some freaking amazing stories that you guys definitely, again, you check out the book. It's an easy read. Nice and uh, get on Amazon, get it on Kindle, check the show notes for all the ways to connect with them and get the book, but just really, really good solid stuff that are stories that you would never believe shows you this kind of stuff like the A game. You bring your A game, you don't quit, you'll eventually be successful, but the juice is worth the squeeze on real estate. But some of the stuff they've been through, some of the stuff they put up with, how they manage to get around that stuff, keep themselves in the fight, and then just ways to actually keep you engaged while they teach those lessons and they keep it entertaining so they capture you and you don't space out or start thinking of something else or get bored is uh, really good. So this guy's a freaking outstanding podcast guest. I'm going to link him up with some other people, but they are just incredible dynamic duos and real estate killers and, and content creators. So I waited a long time to get them on and uh, it was worth every minute of it. So definitely check them out. You guys will not be disappointed and definitely don't Blake out on this episode either because it was a fantastic episode. He gives this really amazing story at the end that he said didn't even make it into the book that I'm going to say is probably exclusive at this point to this podcast. So definitely stick around to the end and listen to that and follow all them in the show notes. And while you're following the show notes, definitely check out this podcast, nicknicknick.com slash links for the A-Game podcast, real estate investing for entrepreneurs. You can find it on pretty much every platform on social media, everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. The fee for this show to get amazing guests on like Kevin, and all the other amazing guests we've had on is all you have to do is subscribe and, and hopefully interact on social media. So it's available everywhere. It takes two seconds to subscribe. Please do that wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube, whatever it might be, wherever you listen, wherever you watch, please take a second and do that. If you're so kind and you really like the episodes, it really goes a long way for the algorithms to leave a review, leave a five-star review, whatever it might be. And more importantly, when you go on nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, you will see all the ways to connect with me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all those different things. While you're there, I'm always going to be putting clips from this show. This one will be no different. I'll post a bunch of different clips and highlights from this episode of Kevin and me talking about some great stuff. The way they know to keep passing the message so people keep coming back and we can keep doing this podcast with great guests with you for free is for you guys to interact. So please, you're scrolling on social media anyway. Take a minute. Like the post, share the post, maybe tag a friend, maybe leave a little comment, leave a question for Kevin, leave a question for Matt, uh, give him some feedback on some stuff, ask him whatever it might be, but that really goes a long way to keep this train going, keep this party going over 250 episodes. I would like to keep doing them. If my stuff's not popping up, search for me, look for me, and then interact, and I should stop popping you back up on the feed. Algorithms are weird, but I appreciate all of it. And the whole point here is I want to do real estate together. So whether you're new, you're experienced, you're looking to buy, looking to sell, whatever it might be, I want to do real estate together. The way you can start that conversation to figure out if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you want to find a way to just connect and partner, or you don't even really know how, you just know you want to get in the game and work together on some level. All you have to do is DM me on any of my social platforms, preferably Instagram, real estate. DM me the word real estate, that'll open up the conversation, or text me directly, 516-540-5733. 516-540-5733. Text me the word real estate and we can start that conversation as well. And last but certainly not least, go on nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers, to your sellers, if you are a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to guys take on real estate for having some amazing content. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on, bringing his A-game and having an amazing podcast there. Really appreciate it. A-game podcast. Have a great day, everybody. 
All right, my guest today is one half of the dynamic duo of entrepreneurs, business owners, and full-time real estate investors turned property managers and podcast hosts fighting out of Massachusetts, investing in multiple markets with multiple strategies over the years, who built up a massive portfolio and lifetimes and lifetimes worth of experiences of successes and learning lessons in real estate and the investing roller coaster that we are in today, including acquiring over hundreds of rental units, flipping hundreds of properties, wholesaling more than double that, and consistently doing over 100 transactions a year. He and his partner now teach others how to get the secret sauce and limit their mistakes with their outstanding YouTube channel and podcast, as well as their excellent new book, Foreclosures Unlocked, which we will talk about as well. Founders of Yellow Brick Management, I became a loyal fan after following your social media, which just had so much amazing content, such consistent information. I really thought it was outstanding. Everybody should be following you guys and learning how to do things that'll make them financially free so they can do the things they love, like you guys do, such as petting pet rabbits and training for American Ninja Warrior and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So this dynamic duo that we have one fantastic half of today is part of the famous Two guys take on real estate, the flipping landlord and property prince, Matthew Tortorello. And of course, we have today, Kevin Shippey. Thank you so much for coming on today, man. I have been chasing you down, trying to get you onto the A-Game podcast, and I'm so happy that you're here. Well, I, thanks for inviting me. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, man, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say so many nice things so quickly about <laughs> me. And I'm talking about including like my mom. I mean, that was fantastic. So thank you very much. I'm, I don't know if the screen picks it up, the camera picks it up, but I'm pretty sure I'm blushing right now. Ah, there you go. No, he's good. It's good lighting, hair and makeup to carry you there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I've been shaved for days. Nice. But so for people who maybe aren't 100% familiar with you, can you give a 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from? So um, we are quite literally, I would say we're a couple of normal guys, but if you've seen our content, there's nothing normal about us. But there's, we're a couple of just normal dudes who uh, I, I met Matt actually in college. Um, and uh, we, um, several years later, he finally convinced me to uh, take our shot at buying a really rundown, just dumpy, just haunted looking uh, two family house in, in a, uh, the third largest city in Massachusetts. And um, we scraped our life savings together each, which was, uh, we came up with two adult men came up with our life savings, which was an embarrassing, maybe 15 <laughs> grand uh, to, uh, to acquire a property, uh, fix it up, you know, uh, and basically we did and executed what's now today called the Burr method. Um, and what we did with that property is we, you know, we rented it out, we refinanced and we kind of did it over and over. Um, we added some other partners uh, and lost partners along the way. Um, so we've had a lot of, um, challenging and negative experiences, uh, a lot of successes that covered for a lot of the mistakes that we've made along the way too. Um, but as I like to tell people, you know, we, we made, we basically started knowing nothing, fumbled our way through it, uh, mainly through working hard and just working harder to, uh, to kind of, you know, overcome something. And, uh, that's what ultimately inspired us to come up with, Hey, let's do some social media stuff. Let's, uh, you know, give back a little bit um, so that, you know, other people can maybe follow our footsteps through a minefield uh, so they can have an easier go of it than we did. Man, I would have appreciated having that type of, um, you know, information and connection when we first started and when we were just fumbling our way forward. So that's how we got into it. And um, yeah, I mean, we have, a, we have a lot of fun doing it. I think it's a little apparent in our videos, you know, there's, we're, we're serious, you know, we're serious guys in a serious business, but there's nothing that we do, you know, seriously. Everything is uh, very informal um, and, you know, in a, in, in a lot of fun and joking ways. So um, our followers have been finding that they can learn, uh, but they can also be slightly entertained. Cringy dad jokes, whatever it might be, <laughs> some real groaners, you know, um, but also just get some, you know, we're, we're not trying to be, you know, kind of pompous and inflating, uh, you know, our success and showcasing everything. We really do, and I think that's what sets us apart a little bit from a lot of folks is we really, uh, you know, we don't mind talking about some of our train wrecks, some of our mistakes. Um, and uh, and I think that's important because it, it it's something everybody's going to face no matter what you're doing. And, um, you know, you need to be able to see that other people fail, fail a lot uh, too. So when you have a challenge and you have a hard time overcoming it, you don't just get frustrated and walk away and say, man, you know, it's just not going to work for me. You have to understand that People that got there got there because of persistence a lot of the time. Man, I love everything about what you just said. I think that there's a massive benefit. And I came from a time when when I went through you know, 15, 16 years ago now trying to learn about this. And you go to seminars and you take these classes and you read these books. And 
there was never anybody talking about like, hey, here's the stuff that can go wrong. Here's the stuff that they don't tell you. It was all about the wins, you know? And I know yeah. there's a level of that on social media, but I'm to the point where whenever I'm learning, I, I want to hear like, I'm, I'm already sold on real estate. I already know who creates millionaires. That's not what I, you don't need to get me excited about that. What I want to know is the stuff that I don't know, the stuff that I don't see. So, so teach me. And I love that you guys are an open book about that. And I think part of, you know, I'm just assuming, but part of why I think a lot of the fighters that I meet are just so cool. And a lot of the real estate investors that have been in the game for a long time are so cool. It's because it's hard to get too big and not get humbled along the way. Mm. So you always know that you're like a deal away from a million or a deal away from like a net. Like every day you could be the hammer or the nail. And I think that keeps you somewhat on your toes and somewhat normal and down to earth and relatable. And I think that that's a massive part of, of why your success on social media has been so huge because of the relatability and the honesty factor. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you might be right. Um, the, the other great dynamic, I think, that, that we have that a lot of you know, individuals don't is, well, I mean, you're getting the discount version today of two guys <laughs> take on real estate. You, you know, that maybe, maybe a slightly better one. I don't know. No, but uh, what you're getting is, is, is a dynamic where you have two people. And, uh, you know, I, I also, I often kind of talk about, um, you know, Matt as being, you know, the Kool-Aid man. I don't know if they still have them in commercials, but remember the Kool-Aid man, he just, yeah. oh yeah, right through the wall, you know? And uh, I mean, a lot of ways he's the Kool-Aid man and he just wants to like, let's do, I got a great idea. Let's do this. And then he just wants to do it. And I'm like, dude, what if there's a stud there in that wall, you idiot? Like what's on the other side of that wall? Is there a cliff? Like we got to look at this stuff. We got to figure this stuff out. So it's really nice to have a partnership with somebody. And a lot of people don't think about that when they're looking to do this stuff. They're like, look, uh, I had a successful career or, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got a windfall. How do I, how do I invest it? You know, what do I do with it? Et cetera, et cetera. And it's always I, 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 and what I would suggest doing for a lot of folks, honestly, is if you have somebody maybe that has um, maybe some opposing personality traits, different personality traits than you, look at doing something together because, you know, Matt and I will, will argue out, I mean, you know, respectfully argue out, you know, stuff all the time. And uh, it, 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 you know, if, uh, if it wasn't for Matt, I would never make a decision. You know, I'd always be like, well, what if this and what if that? And I don't know. I want to be cautious. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to, you know, and he would make too many brash decisions that end up in catastrophes, you know, if he didn't have somebody helping him kind of see like, okay, great. That's awesome. But like, then what? Like, look, one chess move down the road, dude. Uh, and so that I think really, really helps. And that's been a concept a lot of people never really think about or consider, aside from like a husband and wife team, you know? Uh, a lot of people don't really consider that when they think about getting involved in the world of real estate or or whatever. So um, I would say really that's something to maybe maybe think about uh, for maybe your viewers or anybody that um, you know had some success or you know wants to grow, um, you know, grow with somebody else. And I, I think that that's a very interesting topic in itself because over the years I've had a lot of friends that then became partners and then became neither friends nor partners. And yeah. I'm down to like really one right now that's kind of stuck with me. And and I've always joked around like if this one doesn't work, it's never going to work. Yeah. But what you said is interesting because we always joke around that every relationship that's a good partnership has to have a gas and they have to have a break. And without one, we're not going anywhere. And without the other one, we're crashing and everything. So there has to be that balance. But two things I definitely would love your opinion on for a successful partnership is one, how do you handle like the disagreements and make those decisions without kind of getting on each other's nerves? And then also, when you guys are also friends, things are different. Is there, we call it the no-fly zone of like, hey man, we're at the party, we're hanging out with the kids' birthdays, like don't bring up the property management company or the, co like, so how do you yeah. have that balance between like respectfully still being friends, staying friends and like what makes your partnership work after so long that you guys are still friends and still successful? Um, I mean, that's, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say, you know, um, it's hard to say, I used to hate it when people would tell me, don't be emotional about real estate. Don't be emotional about this. You know, I deal with real estate with rentals and in that aspect, and I get tenants, you know, tenant problems, tenant claims, tenant stealing. And they, you know, the, my, my, my attorney, you know, my, my colleagues, whatever, but say, don't get emotional about it. I'm like, how the heck, how do you not get emotional? This is what I effing do. This is my <laughs> life. Like, do you know how long, how, how hard this is? If this doesn't work, you know, big, this is, don't get emotional. But, you know, um, in the, in the case of resolving stuff with a partner, uh, I would say to an extent, you know, remember, always remember same team, first of all, you know, um, 
you know, you don't point your guns at, at each other, you know, at the other guys, you know, it's, it's the same team, you know, and, you know, really consider how, how strong your opinion might be on a certain thing. Um, you know, Matt and I will talk about something, I, I don't even know, maybe it's uh, a pet policy in a rental, um, you know, whatever it might be. And he'll feel like, he'll be like, no, we don't want anybody with dogs. You know, they're going to wreck the baseboards. They're going to, you know, they're going to pee. They're going to cause tons of damages, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, look, that's, I get that. But, you know, the opposing view of that is, you know, you're going to limit the amount of tenants you, you're going to have apply. You know, um, we can also, like, you can also kind of evaluate if they have a really good household and, you know, a lot of, all dogs are good. It's usually the owners that are bad, right? So, you know, we, we talk about this stuff and I would say, listen, I, I feel pretty strongly that this makes more sense for us, but I'm not married to it. Like, if you really like, this is a drop dead thing, you definitely need to be the one that's right on this and that we need to go this way. And that's fine. I'm not married to it, but like, I really think this makes the most sense or maybe we'll come up with a compromise. All right, fine. Let's do it your way for a while. And if we need to pivot, then let's, let's remember to, you know, to pivot if we find that it's not working out. Um, you know, I mean, and then, you know, 20 minutes later, there's going to be another, you know, decision where our values or our thought processes don't necessarily line up. So, you know, we talk it out and it's crazy. Sometimes like we'll feel that we're spending way too much time talking about something that, you know, we don't think we need to, one person doesn't think we need to talk about the other person, you know, feels that it's kind of an important thing for them. So I'm like, listen, if we need to talk about, it, let's just talk about, it. let's talk it through. And um, so having a healthy respect for the other person and realizing that like the other person, you're not in charge, you know, it's a team. So, you know, listen, you know, how do we want to do this together? But ultimately knowing that you have to make a decision, you guys have to make a choice on something um, and realizing like, you know, sometimes there is no one perfect or right choice or one definitely wrong choice uh, on, a, on a matter. And it's like, okay, listen, let's just go this way. One way is as good as the next in this, re in this regard. I, I I don't care. Like, I don't care that much. You know, I'm going to still go home, still going to play some PlayStation, you know, still going to do whatever on the weekend. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to change everything for me. Let, you know, keep things in the right proper perspective. Um, but definitely like lose the attitude type of situation with each other. Don't like sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, I've already told you this a whole bunch of times, you know what I mean? <laughs> and stuff like that. Don't treat somebody like a subordinate, you know, um, be respectful of other people's viewpoints and thoughts. And I think like the golden rule type of a thing is imagine if you were on the other side of a situation and say, listen, if I screwed up, if I dropped the ball, if uh, I didn't understand something needed to be kind of coached or, or, or brought up to speed, how would I want to be treated by somebody? You know, how would I want them to explain this to me? And when I said, hey, you know, if I, if I screwed something up, how would I want to, you know, be able to go to somebody and what kind of reaction would I want to see out of them when I tell them, hey, man, I, I really screwed this up, you know, and if you talk about athletes and stuff like that, it, you know, you fumble the ball in a big game, you drop the, drop the easy catch, you know, and, uh, or, or, or whatever it is, you, you miss the swing and, you know, you got to walk back to the sidelines, you know, you want to, how would you want to be embraced by your team? How would you want your team to see you? You're going to want them to sit there and scream and yell at you and say, you're a terrible person. I hope we trade you. No, you're going to say, listen, man, it happens to all of us today. It would happen to be you tomorrow. It's absolutely could be me, you know? And so have a good, healthy back and forth and respect uh, and remember same team. I think that that's an outstanding advice, man. I'm going to have to watch that back and give myself some notes for the next time I have a, uh, a, a collaborative disagreement with my business partner, man. I think that's awesome, man. Um, so another thing that I think is interesting is I tell everybody that the whole thing of real estate is just acquiring a property at a discount. Once you acquire a property discount, what can you do with it? And then there's... Right. The bigger the discount you get, the multiple things you can do with it. And yep. then people want to know about all these different things that they can do. And one of the things that comes up often is, is auctions, especially foreclosure auctions, tax auctions. And I tell people like, yes, you can make a lot of money there, but usually anytime you can make a lot of money, you're also taking a lot of risk. Right. And you need to weigh out your risk tolerance for like, what's your tolerance for your risk versus your reward? And where's that fine line? So yeah. I love that you guys have recently come out with this book, Foreclosures Unlocked. And <laughs> I, I want to go into that a little bit because I think that people have a lot of misconceptions about what auctions are and are not. And I would love to just get into that. So first and foremost, like talk about what are the different types of auctions? Well, so, I mean, I think, I think generally you're going you're gonna to find the most common or most known one is going to be a, a foreclosure auction by a bank. And that's basically in a situation where uh, somebody owns a house, single family, multifamily, whatever, right? Somebody owns the property, had a mortgage on it, and then, you know, flaked on the payment somehow, one way or another. And there's so many different ways that could happen. Um, 
and we actually have a crazy story that's developing. It's not in the book, uh, but maybe we can we can talk about that as we go. Uh, and uh, it's going to be in, this, in the next book. That'll be what. <laughs> um, and they didn't make the payment for whatever. Can't make the payments. Stop making the payments. <clears throat> maybe they passed away. Um, the bank basically needs to get made whole, and they'll basically go through a very long. I mean, every state's probably a little bit different, but they'll go through a very long process to eventually liquidate the house by selling it and uh, recapture some of the money that they loaned out. Maybe they loaned the, uh, the old owner two hundred thousand dollars. Bank puts the property up uh, uh, for sale at auction and hopes to reclaim, you know, as much as possible uh, of that money. That's their remedy. That's their relief when they made a bad choice or what ended up to be a bad choice and who to who to lend to. That's how most of these auctions are are really going to be taking place. So I know when people fall behind, especially when you're talking about a lot of mortgage foreclosures, the the pity payments in there for the taxes and the insurance and all that kind of stuff. If you're in a situation where somebody is not paying their mortgage and the taxes are rolled into it, depending on the state and the timelines, are you finding that it's a better play to go after the tax auction because it happens sooner? Or how does that affect the bank when they're going to auction off the, the tax foreclosure versus they're still owing a bunch of money in the mortgage? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we have bought stuff that way as well, where it's being auctioned off or uh, as, a, as a tax foreclosure sale, uh, if that's what you're asking about, where a, basically somebody uh, got way behind on their taxes and... Um, Without naming names of cities, I will tell you, uh, some cities will uh, aggressively pursue taking properties back for unpaid taxes. So somebody owns a house, mortgages to the hilt, no mortgages, doesn't matter. They're not paying the property tax on the property. They get five grand behind, 10 grand behind, right? Um, the city then has their remedy to get made whole. Um, and don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with the city getting paid property taxes. We need cities to get paid property taxes because that money goes to very much needed, you know, funding for police departments, for road repair. My God, the potholes in Massachusetts. I don't think any money goes to road repair, but this is where this stuff goes. We need it. It's part of the deal. Um, so I get it. The city should have a remedy. And then, of course, they finally execute that. And so tax title or a tax taking. Um, they bring the owner through court, land court. Uh, they go through their process for that. It's a very long process as well. Um, so make no mistake, any owner that's going through a foreclosure or you know tax title uh, property uh, uh, taking, it, it's they've had a lot of time to do something to resolve it. Uh, maybe they don't have the ability to do something to resolve, and that's different. But they've had a lot of time. It doesn't happen you know overnight. And they went on vacation and they came back and their house is gone. Um, that property goes through a, a tax title, it becomes the property of the city. The city then has the method to sell a property to liquidate it and put money back in their coffers to cover the taxes that were owed. Now, what a lot of people don't know um, is, well, two things. And one is that it wipes out any other liens behind it. So the city and, you know, the, the, you can't fight city hall, the, you know, the tax man's always going to get his money. That's exactly what happens here. They get uh, their money. And if there was a mortgage, uh, that bank, uh, sorry, bank, they get completely wiped out. Uh, if there was a mechanics lien, if there was all these, a medical lien on the property, all the other liens get wiped out. So now if I go to that auction and I bid on that property, I take that property over for whatever I truly paid at auction. I don't have to worry about any additional liens behind it. They've all gotten toasted. Um, the other really interesting thing people don't seem to realize, and I know it, it happens very often where I'm at, is uh, if there was $10,000 owed in taxes for that property and the auction happens and the auction is, you know, uh, a lot of people are interested in that property, that property sells for $50,000 or 60 or $100,000. The city gets made whole of their 10,000 that was owed to them, plus any, you know, jacked up legal fees from their legal counsels and all that. Um, but guess where the surplus goes? Guess where that extra 90,000 from that sale goes? It doesn't go to the former owner of the house and it doesn't go to the mortgages uh, that were on the house, the banks and all these other people. They don't get made whole. It, the owner doesn't get it. If there was no mortgage and it was just the taxes. The owner doesn't pocket $90,000. The city does. They get a massive $90,000 windfall. Um, so yeah, as much as it's kind of bad press for a city to be like kicking one of its citizens out and taking their house on them and all that other kind of stuff. They'll, they'll say, listen, we know we hate to do this, yada, yada, yada. But man, when that auction hits and that check comes, I got to imagine, you know, the, uh, the, the, the board of the council or whoever it is, the mayor, is uh, got a little grin on his face as he realizes he's got a little bit more money in the budget that week. It's such a crazy thing because the, you know, I'll, I'll give my legal disclaimer here. Like, I'm not a CPA, I'm not a attorney. 
but the the counties and the states all do stuff so different and it's really hard to learn all the ins and outs like sometimes you have some exceptions for like the, if it's a homestead property and then they'll do some stuff or they'll raise like the minimum bid and then you got places like colorado that are just like anything you pay over there like we're going to keep and then i was even looking at uh some some tax sales in um in nevada recently and there was like something in there that i never seen before it was like yes when you buy this at the property tax deed auction all the mortgages are like not your responsibility anymore. Like whatever the owner, they deal with that unless the FDIC has taken over that bank. And I, I uh, don't know if they just put that in there because yeah. of what happened with Silicon Valley bank. But I was right. like, that's a really interesting little like nuance in there that I don't know if they're going to start to change that of like, Hey, if we have to take over for that bank, we're keeping that mortgage on the, so it's just, it's just interesting. So my, my point there is there's always risks. So what are the, some of the biggest risks to investing in any type of foreclosure auction? Well, I, I the biggest one I would say is people, um, because that's such a huge variable. It's not a chimney. It's not a roof. It's a person. And uh, that can change a lot of things. Um, I, you know, it, 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 in our area, you know, most of the time you're going to a foreclosure auction, you're bidding on what I always say online. And we live stream going to auctions all the time. I was on doing them yesterday. Um, you're bidding on a mystery box. You generally don't get to see the inside of this house. It could be occupied. You don't really know. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it, it, bidding on a home that is potentially occupied. When I say occupied, I mean, that could mean a, a variety of things. That could mean some dude jimmied open the door last week and he's still in there sawing the copper pipes, you know, um, and he's got a sleeping bag upstairs somewhere, you know, in a lantern. I mean, that 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 happens. That happens a lot. Um, it could be that it's occupied and lived in by the former owner themselves who are watching out their window as the auctioneer and you and, and a bunch of other bidders step up, put onto their front lawn and start bidding on where they live for 20 years. Uh, we've seen that. And I've watched and bid at auctions where it's an occupied property and somebody's standing right next to me, they put their bid in and then they say to their significant other, their husband or wife or whatever, and they're like, hey, um, the people that are living here, they're going to be gone by the time we close on this, right? When it becomes ours. And I'm like, dude, how no, like, how are you bidding on this thing? Like, you need to read a book on this, you know, preferably ours, but you need to read <laughs> about this stuff. Like, my God. Um, so I've seen some people get uh, in all sorts of bad situations. I've ended up in bad situations. We've been in bad situations about it. Um, we're going through a, a crazy one now that we've never actually had. And we've had a lot of situations, but it's such a variable because you don't know who's in there, what the deal is. And you then have to tackle that issue of, um, having somebody that's in a home that you now own um, leave, I guess, or stay, whatever you want to do, you got to figure that out. Um, and that's a big risk because that could take a year, it could take years, you could get sued uh, very easily. I and mean, everybody can sue everybody <laughs> in this country these days. Um, so you can just get really jammed up. And that's such a huge variable. You know, worst case scenario with a renovation property, you find out what, like, you got to do some extra renovation work. Maybe you do need to replace the roof. And it's a, it's a finite amount of time of work or money. Ah, looks like it's gonna be an extra 15 grand more than we thought. Okay, well, at least you know that and you can figure that out. But with somebody living under your, under your roof now or moving in when you had your back turned or something, you have to go through a legal process. You can't just, can't just handle this stuff you know, probably like the good old days, uh, you know, <laughs> with the uh, with the old baseball bat and ski mask combo at Dick's Sporting Goods, aisle six, ask for Kevin, they'll give you a discount. Um, you can't do that. You totally, no, you totally can't do that stuff. But um, that's why it's such a big risk and a big variable. Um, I think I always say buying a foreclosure auction, especially an occupied one, is not for the faint of heart. That's really uh, interesting information as well. When you talk about the the risk assessment there, what are some things that you do then? Do you run your numbers based on like, hey, we're just going to assume it needs everything and it's going to take two years and we got to quiet the title and we got to do all these different things? Like, are you, like, I know that even the stuff with like finding like the oil tanks and the, like, how do you, how do yeah. you assume these things and budget? Like, well, how do you run your numbers on these? If you can't get into them, you don't know what's going to happen for the eviction. Um, one word, conservatively, right? You have to hedge your bets. You 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 can't be like, well, it's probably updated. But look, if the outside of the home is, uh, asbestos shingles and you know the roof looks yeah, not that great you can see some stuff from the outside you can probably I think it's pretty safe to assume you need to be updating your kitchen and bathroom once you buy it so expect to do a kitchen reno and a bathroom reno because I, I doubt somebody putting granite countertops and you know viking ranges and all this other crap 
but didn't fix the roof. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you can make those kind of judgment calls. You're seeing a lot of other stuff. You're seeing, you know, windows, uh, the, the old, you know, wooden windows or the updated windows. Um, you know, maybe the place hasn't been deleted. If it's a multifamily house and you see storm windows and you see the older style windows, you can probably assume the place doesn't, isn't, has never been made lead safe for kids under six. So if you're buying an investment property or rental property, or if that's your plan on the single family you're looking to buy, um, you're going to need to make sure you can get a lead certificate on that place. And that can be a huge curveball for you too. So you basically start taking, you know, with your ARV, what would this place be worth all fixed up and perfect and shiny? And then you start backing out those numbers. Boy, kitchen renovation costs in my area, you know, bathroom renovation costs in my area. Uh, going to do all these windows, definitely needs a roof. I can see, you know, the attic, you know, and start backing those costs out accordingly. But you make some educated guesses over time. You know, if it's an occupied property and it looks like it's decent-ish, well-kept-ish, you can assume there's a heating system in there. But you can't always assume that on a vacant one, you know? I mean, that's crazy. That's a big variable. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the the other one of the question on this that I think is is something I read in the book a little bit and I've seen on some of your videos People, again, like you said, they assume like, well, when I buy it, somebody else is going to evict those people. It's like, no, mm -hmm. it's not. But I, I read some creative things that you do with people. And I tell everybody, yes, this business is about money, but it really comes down to it's a people business. And the better you are with people, the, the better luck you're going to have, the better relationships you're going to have. What are some little tips and tricks for pleasantly yeah. evicting people or getting them to move on without you know dragging you through the years and stuff and trashing the house before they move out? Well, like you said, first off, right, if you bought the property right, you have more options of what you can do with the property. So be open to pivoting from your strategy right off the bat. And if you see kind of like water flowing down a hill, it's going to seek the path of least resistance. So be ready to kind of pivot and move a little bit, you know, um, like a running back running through the offensive line. Doesn't always go the way he wants. Sometimes he reverses his field. He goes a different way. Be how It's amazing to have that opportunity if you crushed it by the B method and the B and Burr method, right? Buying it at an awesome price. So we do mention it in the book, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've bought a house that we intended to renovate and sell, just basically do a flip. And it was lived in. And we found out then that it was lived in by the owner, the former owner. Um, we actually went so far as to keep the property and did the absolute unthinkable because Again, we can't do anything like normal human beings. We need to do this stupid stuff. We did what was really one of the dumbest things we could possibly do, and it worked. We rented it to the former owner. This is a guy who couldn't or wouldn't pay his own mortgage to keep his house, and we made the bet that he's going to pay a landlord. Like, hell, that's not going to work. To live in his old house, uh, it worked. And he's been our tenant for several years. In fact, I say he, but there's a several of them we, we did this with. Um, it's now been several years since their foreclosure. And guess what I will be doing? Knocking on his door and saying, hey, any interest in buying a house? Yeah, how about this one? And maybe selling him his house back. Um, crazy banana stuff. So we've done things like that. Um, turned a, uh, uh, you know, a, a tenant, a, a, an owner that was basically staying and holding over, refusing to leave and basically turning into a squatter. I mean, I don't know what else to call it, a squatter. And uh, turn it into a productive cash flowing investment property. Yeah, we started out thinking, hey, we're going to do a flip. But, you know, there's worse things than ending up with a cash flowing successful tenant in a rental property. Um, so that's one. Um, but uh, otherwise, I mean, honestly, starting the conversation is, is tough. And there's different schools of thought on it. Um, the I like to think the right one, mine, is uh, <laughs> to go have a conversation. And almost every single time when this takes place, it will be the person answering the door that screws it up. It's not me. Uh, I'll present it with saying, hi, you know, my name's Kevin and it's kind of awkward, but uh, I'm the new owner of the place. And I kind of go out there and have a start of the conversation where I start with the assumption that everybody knows exactly what happened and exactly what's going on. I get a couple of different responses. Generally, it'll either be, you know, who are you? Don't come back or clack, clack, you know, or I'm, <laughs> I'm going to burn this house to the ground. I'm going to die in this place, you know, that kind of thing. Or it'll be um, something along the lines of, oh, I had no idea. I, no, I didn't know what was any of what's going on. I'm so confused. Um, you know, and I'll usually start off by saying, listen, like, so you knew this day was coming. You know, you knew this is a very long process. Doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. Um, what was your plan? What, what is your plan? You know, and giving them an opportunity to create their path with me. 
Um, the other school of thought is to just don't do anything. Have an attorney send them a notice to quit and vacate and, and, and immediately start an eviction process. Um, I, I'm not that way. I don't want to do something like that. And honestly, uh, depending on the type of state that you're in, uh, the court process and laws and system is so aggressively unfair to property owners that that could be one of the worst things you do is get yourself into an adversarial situation where you don't have to, you know, we've all been in that situation at the bar where maybe you, you bumped and you spilled a drink on a guy, on a, on a guy that's bigger than you. Everybody's bigger than me. And a guy that's bigger than you, you know, and he turns around, he's like, you know, you have a problem, you know, and you have that, you have a, you have an opportunity to, to say no, sir, <laughs> <You know? laughs> or, or really get in his face. You know what I mean? Why would you create a bar fight with something that you're going to lose because the court system is terrible. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's incredible. I, it, you won't fully appreciate that until you've had to go through it a few times. Um, or when you could just like resolve it, be like, hey, man, talk about that. I'm, you know, uh, I'll buy, let me, let me buy a, a refill, you know, or whatever. I don't know, you know, and, uh, and just amicably just deal with something. So starting it off by having a conversation, but put them in the driver's seat. How would you like to handle this? You know, what's your plan? Um, and if they don't really have anything that's you know, even the beginning of something that's reasonable or fair or you can live with, then you might have to go the other way, of course, but you have to quickly determine that and then start taking those actions. You know, otherwise you're going to get, you're going to get scammed for a very long time if you don't start that process. Um, a lot of people like to do cash for keys, something along those lines. But the bottom line is, you know, you can give somebody an offer of a few thousand dollars, but they still need to live somewhere. And you are dealing with people and you're not a heartless SOB, I'm sure, whoever you are, you know. So, um, you know, they need to still know, okay, great. I, I got three grand in my hand or $5,000 in my hand, something crazy. I don't have a place to, I still have a place to go. Like, where am I supposed to live? I, 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 it's going to take me time. I got to find an apartment, I guess. Like, and that's where it, it gets into a very, could be a potentially a very long um, situation where your property is tied up and that becomes very costly to you. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any of my social media channels. You will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's such great info, man. I, I was smiling at one point because I, I remember in the book you're talking about this too. And there's a lot of great stuff. The book's really excellent, by the way. Anybody listening, definitely there'll be a link in the bio. I know the one you're gonna I know the one you're gonna say. Dude, I can I still laugh my head off when I just think about that. And I couldn't even help myself. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I know it's well, but just in general, it's like whenever you show up at the door, they're always like, I I had no, are you sure? Like I thought I, and it, it yeah. reminds me of, uh, I was talking to one of my friends recently and he, he we were, there's a Seinfeld episode about it, but he was like, yeah, my buddy's like a, a high-end like surgeon or whatever. He thought he was going to be saving lives. And 98% of the people that come in are people that got stuff stuck in their rectum. And they're always like, I, what, I fell off the thing. And like, it, they, they, they're always, I remember. Million to one shot, doc. Right. Million to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the vanity plate that yeah. I need right there. There you go. The million of one. So my, my follow-up to that is, so I want to talk a little bit about funding for these, because a lot of the times you're going to have to have private funding and there's a whole bunch yeah. of the choose your own adventure stuff with all the different ways to fund in a book is, is, is excellent, man. I love that angle. I love how it keeps it fun. But if you have something like that, where you go and you took out a private loan with the intention of, of flipping it, and yeah. now you have to turn it into a rental, how do you handle that with the private lender? Well, I mean, at least if you're turning it into a rental, you know, you can basically burr method it, right? So you can, you can sign a, I mean, you should be signing a contract. Don't do these handshake things and be like, well, look, you know, if you mow the lawn and you fix this porch, I'll knock 50 bucks off or a hundred for that. Or, you know, have a real contract here. Like it's a professional thing. You're a professional. Holy crap. You know, like you bought a home, you're doing, you're conducting business. I don't care if it's your first one. This is a professional endeavor. So um, get a contract, you know, rent it out uh, to them, lease them up, whatever. And then go to a bank, do a refinance, get as much or all or more than the hard money loan was and get that hard money loan gone. Uh, hard money lenders are awesome. Uh, they're so useful and necessary in a lot of cases uh, to do this kind of stuff, but you do not want them whole, you know, over your head for a year or two years. You don't want to get stuck. So 
do what you can do to get out of that hard money loan if you're going to get into that situation. And uh, I would say just turn it into a Burr method and refinance uh, because you know you have the property. Hopefully, you can make some improvements, or maybe you don't even need to make many improvements. You got such an amazing deal on it, um, and you have a contract now. And that contract for rental can be used towards income qualifying for more of a conventional loan. Nice. You know, a, a lot of these 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 auctions in general, you need the money either either that day or within a couple of days after. So a lot of the times that you can't get conventional loans on these, regardless of the condition, it's just the timelines right. and stuff. Right. Are you finding success being able to lock in hard money before the auction and have them fund them? Or are you buying them out with cash and then doing like a quick refi into a hard money loan? Um, yeah, we basically, for most of the time, what we do is we, we already have that kind of stuff lined up. So we have people that um, will fund an account mostly now. So they'll be like, look, here's, you know, we'll put them up, up, you know, I will fund an account a million dollars. And if you want to go out and buy a few properties with that, great, but we're paying that money regardless. So we're kind of getting the loan secured, almost like a line of credit um, and, uh, and using it that way. But the, 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 the meter is always running on the money that we're using uh, for that. But yeah, no, people do have success um, with, you know, identifying a property. I would, I always tell people like set up a relationship first with a hard money lender and say, listen, so here's how it would work. Okay, great. So, you know, a week from now, I find an amazing deal at an auction. I can, you know, lock it in, bid on it, win it, lock it in. I come running to you. You guys are going to do this, 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 and here's how we need to do it. And this is going to be the rate. Have all that stuff figured out way before you go to the auction and start pulling a trigger on something like that, you know? Nice, man. That's really good. Good advice. You always plan it in advance. I think it's a huge mistake when I read these things about like, oh, I put this down. And then you see like the county's like, well, if you put the money down, you don't finish. Like, we're going to come after you for losses and you're banned from the auction for years. And you're like, well, why would somebody do that? And then yeah. you're, it's they threw 15 grand down and just crossed their fingers and hope they could find the rest by Friday. It's like, it's so crazy, man. Kool-Aid man, you know, Kool-Aid man, <laughs> yeah, you know? The Kool-Aid man. Yep. So pivoting now to, to some of the stuff we were talking about before we started recording, it's it's a crazy business, man. It's a roller coaster. You know, you have your wins, you have your losses, and the book has so many stories, but from having goats in the properties to oh, yeah. and stuff that moved into you porn studios in the basements and stuff. Yeah. And how do you keep yourself going when you go through some of those things? And it's it's funny not to, to like pivot too off, but you were talking about how you have these losses and then your your partner has to remind you, like, no, don't you remember like that sucked and we did this? And I, I just went over this with one of my partners that there was a property we went in made like six figures on a wholesale in a very short amount of time. And yeah. we didn't have to do much. And she heard me telling the story and I'm like, what a great deal. We barely did anything to it, made six figures. And she was like, um, you were like a miserable sack of shit that week. I couldn't even talk to you. You were in the garage for two days cleaning out like jars of pee. And you said you were never going to do real estate again. And I'm like, I forgot about all that. Like, so yeah. you forget that stuff, but how do you keep yourself going on the days that you want to quit? Um, well, I think, I think Homer Simpson said it best when he said, uh, you know, alcohol is the cause of and solution to most of life's little problems. Uh, no, I'm just totally kidding. Not legal advice, guys. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it, you gotta have you gotta have that attitude, I think, or or it, it'll develop. Hopefully, develop very quickly. And I think that's something that that like I think you said earlier. Almost anybody that's been through, you know, found success, especially over long term. They've been through probably a lot of adversity uh, that you just don't hear about. They don't talk about it as much, probably. Um, you know, and uh, and another business partner I had uh, that we don't have um, at one point said something like, "Because I was I was that guy who was like, this is taking forever. I can't believe it. I thought we were going to be successful. You know, I thought we we're going to get to 15 properties and I'm going to own a brand new car, you know, and, and you know, uh, and so he said, you know, overnight successes aren't like it just it really doesn't happen. Um you know, I mean, I'm sure somebody maybe goes viral on some YouTube thing and becomes a, like the Island Boys guys or whatever, right? Yeah. Like that's a, you know, and they're and now here I'm sure they're right back to where they started. But like stuff, you know, like that, it just doesn't happen. Uh, people don't just get wealthy generally overnight with no work and no mistakes along the way. So, um, you know, tempering tempering your expectations, but um, being able to turn around and laugh at stuff. Um, you know, uh, we we've been through grinds and stuff like that, but. Just like, you know, and almost anything else, like you could think about it in stuff that you can relate to in real life, aside from this, you know, maybe a bad, a failed relationship you had, you know, but now years later, you look back 
you know, fondly, you don't remember a couple of the, you know, the arguments and a couple of the bad, you know, situations. You remember a lot of the good qualities, the nice things they did, maybe a holiday or something like that you guys spent. So like, you know, I, I think if you can, if you're the type of person that can kind of get behind that kind of attitude and thinking, um, it makes it that much harder to um, keep going forward and then not really remember so much of some of the stuff you had to get through. Uh, but I tell you, I, I, um, you know, I, I literally, I, I, I repress so much of this stuff that when somebody, you know, mentions it, it brings it up later. I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember. I mean, I, I'll bump into people on the street or like at a Walmart or something and somebody will recognize me. Now with social media, people recognize me everywhere. But it was for, before this, it was like somebody would like, they'd be looking at me more than they, like more than a passerby would. And I'd be like, I don't know if I'm mad at them or not. Am I supposed to be mad at them? <laughs> do, they, do they screw me over? Do they owe me money? Like, I, I know that person, but I can't remember why I don't like them. Like there's something you know, and you just, you move on. Happy people are usually happy because they, they focus more on the good and they forget and let go of the bad, um, you know, and then looking forward to things too is the other thing. If you keep getting stuck and looking backwards at your mistakes, instead of looking forward at the future, um, you know, I, I, I get myself, I catch myself every once in a while doing that and saying, I say it on my lives. I said, you know, we've made a long, a lot of mistakes along the way. And that's why I'm doing this live stream from, you know, the winter in Massachusetts instead of a boat in sunny South Florida with a whole lot of eye candy around me is because, you know, I didn't, I could have gotten a lot farther if it wasn't for my mistakes, but I'll get there. You know, um, it's just, you, you know, I'm looking forward to things being better and improving instead of looking back and say, man, if this didn't happen, I'd have this. And boy, I can't believe I'm still working. I thought I was going to retire five years ago. Uh, those kind of things. Just look forward to the fact that like, wow, at my age, I'm this. And my buddy from school, you know, he's still doing this and I, here I am. And uh, next year is going to be even better, um, that kind of thing. And I'm constantly improving my game, improving my skills, improving my knowledge. Um, and, and that means I'm going to keep consistently going up. I love that, man. It, it's really the, the cliches are around for a reason, man. It's that whole, if yes. you don't quit, you can't fail. I don't know anybody that I, I joke around. Like if you haven't had a problem with your real estate yet, you just haven't done enough real estate yet. It's it's going to happen, but the beautiful part is one or two deals can cancel out three or four bad ones. And it's it's those people that go, I tried that, it didn't work, and I never yep. did it again. It's like, well, you know, that's that's kind of the problem. Like you stop getting up to the plate. So that that tenacity, man, that's that's kind of in you where it is, and that's what it, that's what yep. makes a success. I'll tell you, I mean, we hear it so much. I hear it so much on uh, again with the, with our channel. You know, we we put it out there to help people learn, have exposure to. Um, you know, to, to us and people that know stuff on the internet. And I mean, what is the internet for if it's not for exposing yourself, right? I mean, it's, it's totally for I can do the stuff with a straight face now. That's what's so fun. We're back to the you porn thing, huh? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so, I mean, we, we uh, you'd be amazed at the amount of people that will sit there and tell you 20 different reasons they can't, you can't, nobody can, this doesn't work, that won't work, that's stupid. This is, I'm, the amount of people that will, come to my channel and tell me why they can't buy a house is incredible. And I'm like, you know, the irony of you posting this on a channel, teaching people how you can, you're telling me one easily disprovable reason why you think nobody can. And I'm like, this is insane. I, it's crazy. So uh, yeah, people get really stuck in the, you know, I can't uh, mentality, the victim mentality, uh, the poor mentality as people will call it. And it is, I, I, that is, I, I have a hard time not getting sucked into that myself. And I really, I catch myself still getting sucked into it and subscribing. I'm like, wow, maybe I just can't, it, you know, I'm never going to have the muscles Matt has, you know? And because I'm like, well, well, of course I can't because I don't spend the time in the ninja gym like Matt does. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I guess I probably could. I just, you know what? I don't. So I'm scrawny, you know? And uh, if I, if I did and I can, and maybe I will decide to do that at some point. And then I'll get the benefits of it. But I, I, you know, you have to understand, like, there's going to be some people out there that are just always going to, always going to say they can't for some reason. And eventually they're going to be right. You know, they just never will be able to because that their mentality holds them hostage like that. I love that, man. That, that's excellent advice and a fantastic perspective on stuff. And, you know, pivoting to that now, I want to talk about your social media game because I, I found you guys initially on Twitter and I remember right. looking and being like, man, how is there not more? And then I looked on you and I was like, oh no, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not uncovering a secret here. Like they're a big deal. So I didn't like, even know we were on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. 
But your, I mean, your content is, it's outstanding. Like it definitely in an age where everybody has a YouTube channel, everybody's got a real estate. Yours definitely stands out, man. It's, it's, it's fun. It's aesthetically pleasing and it's good, relevant information. And uh, I, I'm, was saying it before, man, but knowing how much it takes to put that out consistently and good, mm. man, like kudos, because I know it's not easy and it would be a lot better to just sit there and do your own stuff. But I am interested on that side of it. How has social media and the channel and the podcast and stuff helped you on the real estate investment side? Well, it certainly helped me with the ladies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so has, how has it helped? I don't think it really is, is helped us too much on the real estate side. I will say, you know, one of the cool things is, is it, is it, uh, um, has become a social network for us too. And I've met some really awesome uh, real estate people and I don't really travel anywhere, but I went to Austin and uh, hung out with a whole bunch of other um, content creators. Man, I hate, I sound like such a D-bag when I say the word influencer to, to talk about myself. So I will never say that. But uh, all these other content creators, I hate that word. And um, these guys were awesome. And these guys were like crushing it. I financially doing really well off their social media stuff. And, um, but they were in real estate. And so like, we made some really good connections with people um, where like we're collaborating on like, hey, like maybe let's, let's put together a partnership over here in an LLC and let's do this. Let's buy a multifamily property. We'll renovate it. We'll rent out three of the units and we'll sell it to somebody uh, who's looking to buy their own first property. So they'll live in one unit. They'll own the property. They're going to become an instant house hacker. You know, so we were talking about even doing, you know, those kind of things. Um, so it really opens up a lot of opportunity to uh, meet and kind of rub elbows with other people that are, um, you know, adventurous and creative um, or just want to share their experiences as well. Um, it's really, it's been really, really neat. That's cool, man. Building up your own sense of community. There's nothing wrong with that, right? That's always a beneficial thing. For sure. For sure. And it, it's just, it's super weird. Like I said, I was getting recognized by maybe former tenants or weird, weird situations around, you know, my area. But now like I go, I go to Costco, I'm getting a slice of pizza and I'm doing this. And, I'm like, ah. and then somebody's <laughs> like, Hey, two guys. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I taken the bunny rabbit out for a walk. I, yeah, I know. I said that. Yeah, boy, we added that part out. Now I'm taking a bunny rabbit out for a walk and crossing the street and some car, you know, beeps and waves. And I thought he was saying you guys, because I still don't think about this stuff, but I'm just like out doing whatever. And he was saying two guys, two guys. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's us. It's us, us guys, you know? And, and uh, so it's really neat. I get recognized everywhere now. It's, uh, it, it's weird. I go to Six Flags. I sit on the roller coaster and, you know, I'm in, standing in line and like, somebody's like, can I get a selfie with you? And I'm like, this is so cool. This is, this is great. You know? Well, I mean, you're doing something right, man. Cause it's, uh, it, it's interesting. You can build a brand now. I was on a, a plane not that long ago. And there was like a, a movie star on the plane. And when we got off, my business partner was talking to this girl and she's like, Oh, I like your shoes. I like your bag. And like these security guards came and whisked her away and half the plane chased her. And I was like, what was that? And they were like, well, she's a YouTube, this like people cared more about the YouTube person than they did about the actual movie star. And I was like, man, times have changed. It's crazy. Totally changed. I mean, that same thing happened to me. And uh, I mean, I'm, I got off the plane when I went to visit these, these folks uh, in Austin, it was in Austin. And I'm walking to like the parking garage to like catch an Uber and I don't travel. So I'm just like, I go where and I'm looking at my phone and you know, the reception was bad coming out of the airport and going into the garage. So some guy, some guy walked by me. He's like, he goes, Hey, uh, he's like, uh, you on the internet? I'm like, I'm trying, but I'm not sure if it's got a signal. Hold on one sec. And uh, I didn't ship. Like I had no idea. And he's like, Oh, and I'm like, wait, Oh, Oh yes. No, I'm not. Yeah. That's me. I'm, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun experiences with that. That's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, finally wrapping it up, talk, talk about the book. Like what, what spawned you guys want to write that? What was the experience writing? Talk, talk a little bit about your passion behind writing that book. Cause it's, it's excellent, by the way, it's very original, very creative, very entertaining and very informative. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I said this over and over for years, whenever I have a ridiculous situation, you know, a crazy tenant story, pictures, uh, a move out, we moved out uh, an apartment that we were we had to clean up. They had so many bugs in their apartment. We were sweeping uh, and filled up a five like a, whatever like the kitchen trash bag is of just dead roaches. It was horrible. I mean, I was like, I, this has got to go in the book someday. You know, we always joke. I was always going to write a book someday. And uh, Matt finally was like, hey, you know, um, there's this publisher, and we can blah 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 blah. And we had the social media going. So he's like, we should write a book. And I was like, I've been saying that for like 10 years. We, I, I have so much I could put down. So um, yeah, so we, we finally uh, decided we, we would do that. 
and we um, funded it all by you know some of the proceeds from social media. So it wasn't. This is just one neat thing where again, as have an entrepreneur mentality, you create something that creates money or cash flow or value, and then you use that to create something else that will also create money or cash flow or value. Um, so it's been it was kind of a weird way we eventually got to the book, uh, but then you know because we just we can't do anything like regular you know regular Joes. Um, I had to have it have some kind of a hook, some kind of a different thing to separate it. And I don't read, I don't read books. I mean, I don't like read real estate books. Matt's got them on his shelf. I don't go out to the Barnes and Noble and buy this stuff and read books and, and like, like he does. So I'm like, man, I don't want to read this. Like I want it to be something that I would want to want to actually read, you know? And, um, so I said, this has got to be different somehow. And so we were talking about it and that's how I basically, I came up with the idea. I'm like, you gotta have it. Like, I don't know. Remember choose your own adventure, like the old choose your own adventures when we were kids, you know, we should do that. And uh, they all, everybody loved it. It was a great idea. Um, it was a great idea, Kev. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, dude, our next book though, I'm like, hold on, hold on. We don't have to just do that. What if we did a scratch and sniff book? Huh? Uh, rental properties, investment properties. There's a lot of sniffs in there. Yeah. Um, you know, imagine that, that, uh, that studio in the basement, uh, you know, story, right? The Butterman story. There's so many crazy stories just in this book that would have been great for scratch and stuff. What about a pop-up book? You know, uh, what about a, uh, you know, we were kind of clowns online and I'm like, I think a lot of our followers think we're borderline illiterate anyway. Why not make it a coloring book? You know, there's so many different things we could have done. So I think this is the first of what could be a series of ridiculous types of books. And you know, you know it, it's just not going to be a real straightforward, boring cure for insomnia. It's going to be something different for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I love it on the uh, on the Kindle because you just hit, hey, click here for this and it just speeds you up. Awesome. To the thing is, man, so it's really cool. So talking about that, if people have been living under a rock and they don't know how to find the book and how to find you guys on social media, talk all the ways to connect with you, with your company, with your management company, with the books, everything. Well, I mean, we're uh, we're all over social media with uh, as two guys take on real estate. Uh, the only thing I, I kind of flopped on was the name. The name is really long, you know, and it does not look good on a T-shirt. I don't know how to put two guys and then try to make it try to make it something about real estate without people being like, oh, OK, got it. You know, so uh, I'm trying to figure that out. But aside, two guys take on real estate. If you get on there and you make fun of me somehow and you talk about my face and all these other things, the fact that I'm at ball, all these things will probably respond. We'll probably uh, clown on you in the comments. Um, be, you know, as long as you're good natured, uh, have a fun time with it. Um, we're on YouTube as well, uh, for a lot of our longer form content. Um, I would really love to see our YouTube channel pop off, uh, because, um, A, that'd be beneficial for us. And let's face it, that's what we're in it for baby, but no, but also because we have a lot of long content on there and so many people like, you know, they're trying to train their brain to real estate and they're watching the 30 second videos and they're like, but you didn't tell us everything. There's gotta be more. It can't be this simple. And I'm like, yeah. There's like dozens of 20 minute videos about this on YouTube. This was a 30 second kind of a partial piece of a puzzle. Um, go read and go learn uh, about the rest of it. Um, so I, I would say probably YouTube is a, is a great place to start for longer content and uh, resources on it. Awesome. Well, obviously we will put all those links in the show notes and uh, I highly recommend that. I think if they go on and they spend 10 minutes on any of your social channels, they're going to follow. They're going to be addicted because there's just unlimited entertaining content on there and uh it's very well put together and uh, again a big fan it made me follow you guys kind of all over social media and uh, it was very honor to have you on today um I'll, I'll edit this out after but uh if you have a few more minutes i know you said there was like a new story you had about like a foreclosure that didn't make the book i don't know if you kind of want to have time to tell that or not oh, this or not. is nuts yeah so this is actually a first for us which uh my attorney actually told the judge today uh which is saying something because the judge knows us um the judge was a housing court attorney and I'm a housing court celebrity over there. <laughs> I have personally filed um, uh, about, now it doesn't mean they went all through, but I've I filed myself about 700 eviction cases. So I, I spent a lot of time at the housing court. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes you have to file a case just to get the tenant to actually take it seriously and, you know, and actually pay. Um, so we resolve most of them without actually evicting. But uh, we do a lot of court stuff um, over the years. And... Uh, so she was, she literally said to the judge, like, listen, it's like, you know, he, we've never had this experience before. We bought a side-by-side uh, -side duplex, a two-family house. The right side was um, clearly occupied uh, at the time, of, excuse me, at the time of the auction. 
And the occupants were, as we, as we came to know, were the son of the former owner. The former owner had died three years prior. Uh, I don't know when they stopped paying their mortgage before their death. They obviously didn't pay it after their death. But three years later, um, the process played itself out. They basically moved in once the, the parent had died and just lived there for three years. They, at the time of the auction, kind of came out and were menacing and kind of trying to chill the sale and threatened to physically harm anybody that would buy this property, you know, their house, that kind of thing. Um, so, of course, the first thing we did is buy the property. because we're stupid. <laughs> And uh, the left side of the property was vacant. Uh, it was visibly vacant. You know, the lock, there was no deadbolt, like it was partially broken off and stuff. So we knew it was partially vacant. Uh, we knew it was former owner or not a real tenant. It was a, you know, a direct relative of, of the owner occupying it. So we bought the property, closed on the property. And knowing that this guy threatened to shoot anybody that uh, showed up on his at his house, First thing I did the day after he owned it is, you know, Kevin wanders on over there and is like, hiya, folks, you know, uh, and, and does just like, just like I, you know, said before, you know, so, uh, you know, um, I, I'm here, I brought a copy of the deed just in case, you know, my contact information, but I'm prepared for them to say, nope, F you, what the hell, or I'm prepared for them to say, nope, I own this place, I don't know what you're talking about, et cetera, and I got a little bit of a in-between, but they, they were clearly emotional, but they weren't threatening. So, okay, I'll keep talking. And, you know, she's about to give birth like tomorrow to twins and they've been working with an attorney. They, they feel that they own the house. They, they feel they've been working with the attorney to do something with the mortgage that was being foreclosed on. Um, and I said, okay, well, look, then, you know, normally my first thing would be is to let them know where we have to at least see the inside of the property because now we have strict liability on it. We're insuring it. If there's no smoke detectors and somebody dies, we're the ones that are the bad guy, not anybody else. So we need to at least make sure we need to do a safety inspection and we need to do a lock change. We'll give you a key, but we need to make sure we have a key just in case there's ever an emergency. And so I didn't even kind of really, I, I mentioned it to him, but I said, listen, we don't need to do it today. <laughs> so take care of your family stuff. Have your attorney give me a call. It's going to be way better to talk to their attorney than it is to some emotional people that are just trying to, you know, worry about where they're going to live, lose their house and have kids. So I said, you know, just have your attorney reach out to me that that's exactly what he's here for. So um, gave him my email address, my contact information sheet, everything's clearly written, voicemail line, email information, physical address, they could come knock on my door, you know, right here and talk to me in person. And um, they gave me a phone number to reach the, 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 the people. They confirmed the left side unit was vacant. And I left, never heard anything from the attorney. Um, you know, stopped by once or twice, never, uh, you know, didn't reach the people at the house. I figured they had their kid, whatever. So I stopped by 11 days later on the 26th um, and I knock and they're nice. They invite me in. They still haven't had their kids, which is a little bit odd. And uh, 11 days, you know, after thinking you're giving birth tomorrow, I'm like, all right. So he's like, basically he's trying to tell me, yeah, my attorney's been calling and calling and calling you guys and nobody ever answers. And I said, oh, okay, well, I, clarified that you need them to email me. And I told you this, but also it says it right on the sheet that this is a voicemail line and calls aren't going to be answered live. So we don't have any voicemails from him. I don't have any emails from him. Um, so please contact him back today, you know, and let them know to reach out to us. I gave him not just my company email, but I gave him my personal email in addition to that. I said, also, I've been calling you about this and your phone number doesn't work. So you gave me maybe a bad number. So they gave me a different number that'll totally work this time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then now he's telling, he's telling me, listen, you know, we're in a high risk pregnancy situation. My, uh, and, and my girl's going to go get a C-section Wednesday. I said, oh, okay. Well, you know, no problem. Hey, I get it. We just really got to get this figured out. Please make sure your attorney emails me tomorrow. Nothing. So eventually we say, listen, okay. You know, we, we, we've clearly, they're not trying to, resolve this. We had to at least change the locks of the left side unit, um, you know, do an inspection, lock that property up. And, uh, you know, we have somebody that's interested in buying it, even with the occupants, these, these owner people in it, we got to get them ready to see it. So let's get that happening. We send our maintenance guy over to do that. He shows up and people open the door of the left side unit and are like, what do you mean you're here to change a lot? Who are you? The freaking occupants rented it. The day after I talked to him, they went got somebody in there they took 1250 bucks cash off this uh this couple of girls trying to live together as roommates or whatever 
rented this vacant apartment that we own and uh, didn't even have locks to put on it. They made the, the people provide their own locks. And um, I was like, well, I own the, so yeah. So I had to go over there and I'm telling this lady and she's like, she's like, well, if you have, like, if you have a problem, you have to ask the landlord, he lives next door. I'm like, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> so I'm like, here's a copy of the deed. You know, you can look it up. It's bought by this entity and I'm a principal owner of that entity. And you can verify that. You don't have to take my word for it. Some, you know, out of place dude showing up in a hoodie, you know, on your doorstep. That's how you got into this jam. You can verify that I am who I am, like Popeye, and and you can see this information online. And uh, please see and understand, I own the place. You're living in it. I don't know who you are. I didn't get paid for anything. I didn't want anybody living here. So we definitely have a problem here. And she's like, look, I don't know. I said, listen, either you're working together with them and you're scamming me. You know, they moved in their cousin, they, you know, whatever, or you got scammed by them. So you can decide which it is, but I'm going to take care of business. I'm a legitimate guy. We have a real office. We're really local. Um, like, so this is going to get brought to light. So either you're scamming me with them or they're scamming you and I'll work with you to handle business with them. You know, how would you like to work this out? And so they're working with us, but um, I had to file a, uh, I filed my, my TRO. To, um, it was heard this morning. It was a temporary restraining order against the former occupant or the former owner of family. And uh, yeah, I basically, you know, the, the judge judge agreed with everything we said. It, basically, he's ordering them to, you know, stop representing themselves as owners to these neighbors now, um, to have nothing to do with them, have nothing, to, never enter their unit, to allow me access to fully inspect the unit they live in, to allow us to change the locks to their unit. And, um, you know, basically that, that type of thing. And it's not an eviction because evictions take a lot, a lot more time, but it certainly still really helps them establish who's in charge here, who owns the property, because they're trying to tell the judge, oh, well, I don't even know, this guy says he owns it, but, you know, it doesn't matter. The other thing, and I have an attorney and I, you know, so they're trying to like just word salad their way out of this. And the judge is like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but look, this guy owns the property. He's going to go in and make sure you have smoke detectors in there. You rented it to people on the other side with no smoke detectors, with wires, just sticking out of the wall with a wire nut on it. Just, just crazy. And uh, he's like, so they're going to get in there and make sure everybody's safe first and foremost. Uh, you can't refuse the owner access. Um, that's an order. You know, they're going to give you 24 hours notice. They're going to come in and fix something, you know. And so it really helped them understand the dynamic now. And now I have to start going through the process of uh, getting everybody out of the pool. I mean, I, I can't keep these people around. They're not trustworthy. They're clearly scammers. Man, that's wild. It's crazy because a lot of these things, it's like, if you're not a criminal, you don't even know how to think that somebody would do these things until it happens to you. And you're like, wow, there's really, there's really those people out there that do that stuff. It's incredible, man. It's how do you think you're going to, I mean, because it's so stupid. It's how do you think you're effing going to get away with that? You know, it's, you're right next door. Like, it's going to get found out. Or do they think somebody's going to buy a house and then just go away? You know, like. <laughs> So I, I don't know. And with the amount of money, I guess I would assume it's a criminal complaint with the amount of money, it's got to ride price to the level of felony. So like, it's not like you made a small little like con job and nobody, you're not going to suffer some consequences. You're going to have a long ride because of this. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So it's still playing out, but that's uh that's already, you know, a great new story that should have gone in the book. If it happened a year ago, it'd have been amazing. Well, that is wild, man. You, sir, Bring your A-game to everything you do. And this interview has been no different. This was well worth the wait. I really appreciate your time. Okay. You definitely brought your A-game for the last hour, hour and a half now. Thank oh, you for being so well with your time, man. Thank you for all the great content you put out in the great book. Any final thoughts before I let you go for the day, sir? No, I mean, just thank you very much. I, uh, you know, I, I, I have fun doing this kind of stuff. I would do more of them. If you have other people and friends and, and colleagues and stuff like that, that you think I could add value to or entertainment for, you know, send them my way for sure. Um, yeah. Easy fix. Yeah, 100%, man. I'll definitely do that for sure. Everybody check the show out. Check out the book. Definitely. Two guys take on real estate. One of the best accounts out there. Thank you so much for coming on and bringing your game today. Kevin Shippey, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Thanks very much. Take care.